Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. So absolutely beautiful day. Lots going on yesterday. It was fantastic seeing more and more people rolling in throughout the day. More people continue to roll in today. And it's getting packed. People are still setting up, and I'm happy to see it. As we mentioned yesterday, the Wormtown guys finally arrived yesterday. Uh, Apparently, we weren't the only ones worrying. Like, not I don't know, worrying isn't the right word, but concerned. Like, Like, are these guys coming? What's going on? And today, of course, there's vendors everywhere. There's people everywhere. It's there's food. There's music. There's all sorts of fun. There's drinks. There's activities. There's talks. There's, I mean, so many things are going on right now. There are talks, and I was really surprised. I walked by, I think it's the fire tent earlier. I haven't looked at the map. But it's you know just some tent not organized by the Porcupine Freedom Festival, where someone, I, th- I think it was Zephan, who has been on the show here before. I think he was giving a speech about something. Yeah. And there was a decent crowd there, maybe 25, 30 people just at this, I don't want to call it a random site, but this non-official site. Yeah. You don't generally expect to see crowds of that size at these unofficial events. Right, yeah. So it's pleasant to see that. And, of course, that is one of the goals of decentralizing the Porcupine Freedom Festival and getting more people doing things and getting those on the map and making people aware of them so that they can go to them and check them out and, you know, have a good time. Yeah. I uh, managed to invent a a new cocktail. I I don't have a name for it. It's just coffee and Captain Morgan spiced rum. All right. It's delicious. Somehow, I never thought to combine those two particular (laughs) beverages. And, uh, wow, tasty. I've never really combined any sort of alcohol with coffee, but that, then again, mm-hmm. I'm not really a coffee drinker. So, so uh, there are a, a series of breakfast drinks, let's call them. So the most famous ones are screwdrivers, uh, mimosas. Well, that makes sense. Right. So a screwdriver is like orange juice and vodka. Right. And so uh, at some point I invented the Captain Kickass, which is uh, orange juice and spiced rum. Okay. A stripped down pina colada, if you will. And it's also delicious. It's just, you know, adding some vanilla flavor and some booze to your orange juice just makes it taste like orange sherbet. I have a friend who had uh, Bloody Marys for breakfast. Every time we go to a music festival, yep. he gets a Bloody Mary for breakfast. I'm like, dude, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Yep. But yeah, Bloody Mary- we're so- on vacation when this happens, so I'm joking around when I say that. Yeah. So I don't necessarily always want, a, like, if I have a Bloody Mary, I don't want two because, like... It's tomato juice and some other stuff, and it usually comes with some roughage, some celery, or some pickled beans or something in it. Uh, and so it's kind of a meal. And so because, you know, Bloody Marys aren't my first choice of breakfast drink, and you know, I got kind of tired of screwdrivers I'm not that big on vodka, I was pretty happy with the spiced rum and orange juice combo. And so just out of necessity last night, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to have some coffee. I got an iced coffee from Liberty over here. And then... Uh, you know, I was at a place where there was some spiced rum, and I was like, hey, I'm going to pour some of this in my coffee, and it was delicious. Well, that's how someone invented Reese's, presumably, once upon a time. So I was like, I've got chocolate, I've got peanut butter, I'm going to combine the two and see what happens. You've got your peanut butter in my chocolate. I'm not really much of a drinker, especially these days. I, I used to drink a lot. Like, back when I actually smoked cigarettes, I would drink two bottles of wine a day somewhere mm-hmm. around there they usually box wine because that's you know so much more cost effective but i drank a lot of wine pretty much every day but as i quit smoking i found that i no longer liked the taste of red wine oh and this interesting. was this was true of a bunch of different things but i, I it was no longer palatable to me whatsoever yeah. and i slowly stopped drinking it i phased it out and replaced it with vodka mm-hmm. and Uh, A lot of screwdrivers because I was trying to add more, you know, vitamin C and fruits and vegetables to my life. And that's an obvious way of going about that. Bloody Marys as well. But I I didn't enjoy it still. And what I found as I took longer and longer gaps between having any sort of drink was that I don't really enjoy alcohol anymore. It it just makes me feel like crap. Mm. I, I still enjoy it, of course, right. uh, and I don't know that that... Uh, well, it's each their own, know. right? Yeah. Uh, I, I did take some time off of drinking, and so I've begun drinking again here at this festival. Okay, so. well, congrats on that. I've had, like, maybe maybe four 
days of drinking this whole year. So that, that's been nice. And I, I was worried, especially around the time that I was drinking all that wine, I was worried that I had become like an alcoholic and that I was developing a dependency. And by that right, point, yeah. I'd been doing it for two years. So it was going to be a vicious battle when I finally stopped drinking. But it wasn't even a conscious effort to stop drinking. It was just like, I don't enjoy this anymore. So I stopped. That's very natural. And, you know, you should follow those types of things if, if your body's telling you something. Yeah. You know, uh, I think my philosophy is you should listen to it. I quit smoking, believe it or not, for philosophical reasons. That's what actually got me to quit. So I, I did the gum. I tried the patch, the Chantix. Uh, I used the, one of the first uh, vape nicotine, the, the e-cigarette yeah. uh, that was on the market. Uh, none so of what that. was the philosophical reason that got so you to quit? I, I was at a, a show. A friend of mine's band was playing a show. And I was outside smoking and drinking. And I was going on a rant, as you know, folks like us like to do, sure. about slaves and slavery and how you know slavery was decentralized. It wasn't really abolished. Right. I just everybody became sort of these part-time slaves, if you will, slavery light. And this was sort of the, the gist of what I was ranting about. And so I finish up, and my friend Mike comes over, and he's like, so you really hate being a slave, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I really do. And he's like, well, you're a slave to R.J. Reynolds, man, with that cigarette. Yeah, You're R.J. Reynolds' bitch, is what yep. he said, right? And I was like, and like that phrase still, when I say it right now, it echoes in my head like something out of a movie. You're R.J. Reynolds' bitch. You're R.J. Reynolds' bitch, right? You know, uh, continuing to, to echo in my head. And so I actually went home that night. I continued smoking all night long. I went home that night and I was having my final cigarette because I don't smoke inside. I was standing outside on the, on the front porch stoop. And I just heard that again. You're R.J. Reynolds' bitch. And I, I said, I really am. And I put the cigarette out and that was the last cigarette I ever had. I never really minded that. You know, I, th- these things happen. You know, people become dependent on various things. I'm food's bitch as well, right? And the thing that sucks about cigarettes is that it's generally one specific company or like R.J. Reynolds or yeah. whichever the other one is, I don't, Morris. Yeah, I, I, I smoked camels, so yeah. that wasn't really R.J. Reynolds, but whatever. The, right, the same basic, yeah. yeah. So I never really had an issue then with that because I knew I was going to be dependent on something. But I battled different addictions in the past and, you know, came, went, got through the withdrawals and quit doing the substance in question and had no desire to ever go through withdrawals again. They yeah. were absolutely miserable. Not not fun. Manageable, certainly, but not fun. And it's easier to just to avoid the dependence. And I was convinced that I was just going to die <laughs> a cigarette smoker. Like, I had no desire yeah. to deal with the misery of nicotine withdrawals. I, I had it justified in my head, too. I, I said, well, uh, if I'm able to die because of cigarette smoking, I will have lived a full and prosperous life because... Yeah. Like, I take care of things before my cigarettes, like a roof over my head and food in the fridge and, you know, pay my rent and, you know, those types of things. And so I thought to myself, my self-justification was uh, that I will have not only been able to afford to live, but then also afford cigarettes. So that was like my barometer of like, am I having a successful life? I can still afford to smoke. That was my justification. And so it was, uh, it turned out that it was just me justifying to myself, cigarette smoking. Right? Yeah. That, that was my way of convincing myself that it was okay and that you know I was otherwise okay. And the more I thought about it, uh, particularly after I put the cigarettes down, I was like, oh, that was the addiction part, was the, the mind justifying right. it. You know, as if to say, it's, no, you can't live without me. And like, I totally can. And not only could I, but I did. And when I did, I also became wealthier. Because right. not only did I not buy one or two packs a day at the local convenience store, I stopped going to the local convenience store on a daily or even regular basis now. Because other than to get gas in my car, I didn't have a reason to go to the convenience store on a daily basis. Right, and but every smoker, when they go to buy that pack of cigarettes, they always buy a drink. Buy a drink or them. buy a snack yeah. or, you know, something that they need, you know, grocery, last minute thing, eggs, milk, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. You see it all the time. And, like, I was just as guilty of that as everybody else. I would go to the convenience store for my cigarettes and then be like, oh, let me get a, you yeah, know, a this shopping. or that I mean, the other thing. A convenience stores of subsist off of convenience shopping, off right. of um, impulse buys. And so I stopped doing that because I right. no longer had the reason to. So now I could just like go to the grocery store once a week for like my food shopping and that was it. So I, I, I eliminated uh, a large expense out of my life and I was like, oh, and this was right around the time that crypto was you know, sort of coming on, and I wish I'd have put more money 
<laughs> well, into crypto all, right. uh, than I did. Hindsight's course, 2020. But... I mean, crypto could have crashed and burned. And It's true. Pizza Hut, like at some point, they sort of morphed from like a sit-down, you know, go-to pizza place to like fast food. Like now they're in competition with like McDonald's and Wendy's and stuff like that. Whereas at some point they had like actual restaurant cred uh, as a really? sit down place. They would serve beer at, at the Pizza Huts and that kind of a thing. So like you could go in or order a pitcher with like your, your friends and have a pizza and sit down. They would have birthday parties and stuff like, you know, like uh, like going to like, I don't know, like a chain place, like a Chili's or something like that. Like Pizza Hut was sort of on par with that type of a restaurant for some period of time. I think they probably still are. I, I would still put them above McDonald's and Burger King and all of those. Right. But they they don't. Now, most of the new Pizza Huts are just delivery and pickup. There's no uh, more yeah. restaurant Right. To the pizza. Well, there's hut. no money to be made on serving people. You have to have bathrooms if you do that, and then you have to hire servers, and you right. have to clean up. You have three times as many dishes as you have to wash. They used to have uh, a salad bar slash pizza buffet. They did. I remember that, yeah. and that that was miserable because I was the day shift person. So when they had the buffet, I was the and this pizza hut was terribly managed. So at most, at all times, you had one person making food and i don't know if you know anything about making pizza but it's not really feasible when you're dealing with hundreds of customers to have one person responsible for making all of that food it, yep. it slows things down too much and it gave us hour-long delivery times and then of course the drivers are upset because they're not getting tipped and all that right. but but during during day shift that, those problems weren't real, real you just had to worry about the buffet and keeping it stocked and that that was miserable because yeah. if you if you were even a minute late some karen was going to come up because these old karens loved the buffet <laughs> and they're obviously the ones most likely to complain are you calling me an old karen no not at all you're not no i love the buffet. The ones who like to complain are the old karens and sure enough if you were even a minute late in getting some more cheese or some more pepperoni or some more sausage pizza out there yeah. they, they were up there complaining i paid for my buffet and I wanted my sausage pizza. Absolutely miserable experience. Do not miss it. I was going to begin talking about the uh, the Dollar Tree thing, but I don't really want to talk about that. Yesterday, you also mentioned slavery. I did, yeah. And that's the topic I really want to get into because yesterday oh. was Juneteenth, and I'm not 100% sure what that means. I think that means that was the day that... Do you have a magic rectangle? I, I do, but I'm. it's not... <laughs> practical for me to look things up while holding a microphone and doing the show i i want to say it was the day that uh abraham lincoln made the emancipation proclamation it was either that or the day that the 13th amendment was passed it's widely regarded at the very least on the internet as the day that slavery ended and this is where i take issue with it slavery was not ended my it, magic rectangle says Juneteenth is an annual holiday observing the end of slavery in the U.S. It marks the day, June 19, 1865, when news of emancipation reached people in the deepest parts of the former Confederacy in Galveston, Texas. Okay. So, yeah, the Emancipation Proclamation, more or less. And, but it didn't end slavery. It just moved it. The 13th <laughs> yeah. Amendment holds that slavery is allowable for punishment for a crime. I have it here in front of me if I can find it again. Yes, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. Which is good, right? That's great. But notice that part about except as punishment for a crime. And then, <laughs> right. then look at everything that has happened since. The last century and a half of expansion of regulation and the law where the average American citizen commits three felonies a day. That's right. The only thing stopping you... From being a slave, according to the 13th Amendment, is that the FBI hasn't prosecuted you, hasn't yes. gone after you for those three felonies a day that you're otherwise committing. Right. I can only imagine what poor Sarah is doing now that we're not taking calls. Now, she's been a regular caller, pedestrian Sarah, yes, for a very long time. Are you really worried about what Sarah's doing? No, but it's funny and it's funny, amusing, <laughs> right? I, I am a little bit worried about it because she's nuts and she may wonder, she's dumb and she may wonder, to be fair, she's not dumb, but she may wander off into the streets and get hit by a car. That would be absolutely tragic. That would be horrible. It would be ironic and hilarious, it but simultaneously be. quite tragic. 
So anyway, she doesn't listen to the show, but she calls in, and she's been calling in for like six, seven years, pretty much as long as I've been doing Free Talk Live. Sarah from New Mexico has been calling and going, yes, as she does. And ForkFest, three years ago, I, I remember it was the same year that uh, FUD played and the same year that we had this spot up here. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was when she stopped calling. She was a regular caller. Then we went to ForkFest and the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and then she just stopped calling. Huh. And it took about two years before she began calling again. And as it turns out, this is because she became homeless. I think she says she got depressed and ended up being homeless or something. And then she hooked up with this older dude named Richard. And now they bought a townhouse. I was like, good on you, Sarah, I Richard guess. Richard used to yeah. call, too. I remember that guy because he did. Uh, I think he wears a hearing. Because he talks like this all the time. Yes, he He's shouts like into his yelling phone. At, yes, hi, I'm calling because <laughs> I do like Richard, though, and you know, I, I, I'm call. glad they have worked out their whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, and Sarah initially denied that she was in a relationship with Richard, right? And she was just she was paying rent, and she was occasionally getting rent reduction by cleaning the house naked and stuff. <laughs> then, of course, Ricky from Pennsylvania tried getting hooked up with Sarah, and that man, that was a weird night, dude. <laughs> I, I did not see any of that coming, and I don't even know why it happened, yeah. but suddenly Ian was playing matchmaker between Sarah from New Mexico and Ricky from Pennsylvania, and that was a bizarre experience. The whole thing was bizarre, but not as bizarre as the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which isn't bizarre for me. But for the average person, coming here has to be a shocking, jarring experience. And I almost remember what it was like to come here for the first time and be surrounded by libertarians who actually valued the ideas of liberty. For sure. I don't truly remember, though, what it was like. And now I just take it for granted, just like I take it for granted that we live in New Hampshire and that I can hang out with libertarians anytime I want. But that's unusual for most people. Most people don't get to experience it, and the first time they ever do experience it is here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, where you can use goldbacks. There are more goldback stickers here than there were even last year. Yeah. And, and I love to see it. And I've got to remember to take some Free Talk Live stickers down to the goldback booth later because we... Free Talk Live, Ian in particular, was what brought Goldbacks here all those years ago. He was the first person to have the Utah Goldbacks yep. here on the site. And I, incidentally, was the first person to price anything in Goldbacks. That's right. You did your uh, your wine thing or whatever yes. it was, right, in, in Goldbacks. It was one Goldback for, per cup of wine, and it was tremendously successful. I'm assuming I, – I, I don't know. I didn't keep very good track of things and mm-hmm. – I had gold at the end of it. I don't know how much, and I don't know if it even paid for the wine. I'm, I'm assuming it did, but yeah. that was the first time that happened, and that was when the Porcupine Freedom Festival was introduced to the gold back. And the next year was after Ian and I had been raided, mm-hmm. and Ian was no longer allowed to attend the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Right. Well, actually, I think he was... he. No, we weren't even allowed to contact each other during that first Porcupine Freedom Festival. So that was super awkward. Me yeah. up here doing a show, right. not being able to contact the people in the studio to make sure the show was being done. But Ben and someone else from Goldback wanted a site to camp at. I was like, here, absolutely. Use our site. Yeah. And we provided them with the site. Someone else allowed them a better site a few days into it. So they did that. And it's just been gradually expanding and growing since. Where now there's actual, we accept Goldback stickers here everywhere. That they, I wish Ian was here to see it. Because Ian, when I went down last night to talk to Ben about various things, he was like, well, you know, you, you made this happen. I was like, no, I didn't, though, right? All I did was offer you a site after Ian had already made all of the contact and you know, yeah. all of that. Yeah. Ian is the one who did this, and I wish he was here to see it. I mean, he will be coming up. Right. He is absolutely coming back up. I don't I don't have his permission to say when and mm-hmm. I don't want him to be swarmed by people who are only going to see him for the one day. So I'm not going to announce when I'll talk to him about that, find out if he's OK with it. But he's coming up here twice more, at least. So he will see the goldbacks everywhere. And, oh, good. And I, and I think that will be because, yeah, that it, it was 100 percent him. Last year, Jeffrey Tucker talked about this thing called the Pendleton Act. Mm -hmm. And I want to say thank you to Mark Edge for reminding me what this was called. This was an act that was passed in like the 1800s, like the 1870s, 1880s. I don't remember exactly when. But it gave the executive branch the inability, it gave the president the inability to fire 
a lot of the executive offices, right? You would you would expect that the president can just fire the the transportation department, the right. bureau of prisons, or whoever, and just hire whatever libertarian people he wanted. But in actuality, because of the Pendleton Act, he can't do that. He's very limited in who he can fire and how much control he can exercise over things like the Department of Education, Homeland Security, these institutional these institutions. They exist independently of the executive branch now and without being answer, without answering to the executive branch. Yeah, so, so people falsely believe that the president has the power to start a clean right. house when, in fact, that's not the case. They think that Trump can just go in there and drain the swamp. But in reality, because of the Pendleton Act, Trump has absolutely almost no ability to drain the swamp. He may be able to replace a few heads here and there, yeah. but it's... It's meaningless the amount of power that he actually wields over these institutions. Jeffrey, Cover, Jeffrey Tucker called it the administrative state, and that's that's what we're dealing with. We're ruled not by an executive branch, but by a bureaucracy, an administrative yes. bureaucracy. And he talked about that last year, and I didn't know any of this. I assumed, like most people did, that you know we could just elect Ron Paul, and he could go in there and fix everything. Ron Paul, incidentally, is one of the few people I would trust to actually go in there and do that. I suspect a lot of libertarians would become drunk with the power and was like, well, I don't, I, I want to, you know, we'll do that later. We'll decentralize and be free later. First, I want to exercise some of this authority. Mm-hmm. But I would trust Ron Paul to do it. But we, I operated under the assumption that we could get Ron Paul as president. Obviously, this was never going to happen. But, you know, in theory, get someone like Ron Paul to become president. He goes in and he, he actually drains the swamp. But no, that's actually not possible. I didn't even know that until we had Jeffrey Tucker here on the show last year at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yeah. And Tom Woods introduced me. If you've never sat with Tom Woods, you've got to, because he's also a metal musician. Well, he's not a musician. He's a metal head. Sorry. Oh, I did not know that. He may or may not be a musician. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't met the man. But uh, he sat down with Ian and I about three years ago, and he introduced me to like five or six different metal bands that he had just become aware of, and they they were all they were a little heavier than what I normally listen to, but they yeah. were good, and they were, it was right up my alley, and I was I was just shocked huh. that Tom Woods, you know, the straight laced ordinary, not, I don't want, there's nothing ordinary about Tom Woods, yeah. but Tom Woods listens to metal. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so just surprises like that. I respect that. Yep. And Nicholas Sarwark has been at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I don't. I saw someone here with Sarwark for county attorney yeah. signs somewhere. I don't oh, know I if he's actually here. Too, yeah. I did see um, uh, somebody took a photo, a disgusting photo, of the uh, the bus for Vivek. Okay. Uh, I, and it's it's. I mean, the bus itself is nice, but then it's got this like. Just huge photo of Vivek. Oh, goodness. Right? Just plastered. And it takes up, you know, half of the bus uh, on the side. And apparently it pulled in this morning. I don't know where it is now. But uh, somebody sent me a picture of it. And I'm just like, that. how much ego do you have to have, you know, to right. put a giant picture of yourself all super close up on the giant side of a bus? Previously today, we were talking about Juneteenth and slavery Mm -hmm. and how the 13th Amendment or the Emancipation Proclamation didn't really do anything to eliminate slavery. It it did ostensibly. It moved the problem where previously it changed the owner of the slave from the the white plantation owner or just the plantation owner in general Mm -hmm. to the government, to the state. Yeah. Because now you commit any sort of crime and they can punish you with hard labor and suddenly you are literally a slave. Yeah, people think that, uh, that, that that's a metaphor that uh, libertarians use about the government. They say, well, that's a metaphor. No, it's not. It's precisely what your relationship with the government is. It's involuntary. It is the relationship we have. I don't like the tax slavery thing. I get where they're coming from, right? If you are a slave because 100% of your labor is going to someone who owns you, Mm -hmm. then at what percentage are Are you you no longer a slave? So I understand where they're coming from when they say tax slave, but I don't think the polemic does us any good. I don't think it's a useful way of convincing people to the ideas of liberty. Mm. I think it's just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just bloviating. That's not really the word I'm looking for because I don't want to be that critical of it. But it's just sort of bloviating a position and expecting everyone else to agree with you. Similar to saying taxation is theft, right? Mm. Like, I agree with it. I know where you're coming from. And you're right. But it's not going to persuade people. It's not going to convince people. 
But Juneteenth or the Emancipation Proclamation, it absolutely did not end slavery. And most people acknowledge this and they accept this. For one, the Emancipation Proclamation didn't have any effect in the Confederate states at the time that it was announced. So until the Confederate states won the war, that law didn't even apply there, or that proclamation didn't even apply there in the first place. Because uh, okay. it's like, it would be like uh, Xi Jinping in China declaring that the United States will no longer use the U.S. dollar. It's unenforceable. It's meaningless until mm. the Chinese government presumably you know, were to take over the United States or insert whatever scenario in which such a crazy thing would happen. But because of that, the United States, they didn't want too much freedom for the black Americans. So they passed a bunch of laws. And first of all, they didn't allow them to vote. They didn't allow them to count as full people. They did all sorts of evil, horrific things. But among the other things they did was pass a lot of ridiculous laws, most notably the marijuana laws. And I'm not saying that because more black people smoke pot. I mean, it's marijuana. That was largely targeting the Hispanics. Mm -hmm. But it also has been used and still is used disproportionately against black Americans. Almost everyone I know has smoked pot at some point in their lives. But I'm from the South, where, from the state of Mississippi, which has the highest proportion of black Americans in the U.S., like 38% or so. So they're still a minority, but yeah. like 38 out of every 100 Americans there are black. And almost everyone I knew who had been in jail for any sort of possession or pot possession mm-hmm. was black. And I knew almost no white people who had been. And the reason for this, as we mentioned, is because the police officers exercise discretion about who they're going to pull over. They see the white man. They see the black man. They choose which one they want to pull over. They get the canine. And then it's not that the white man didn't have pot. It's that they didn't pull him over, and therefore they didn't search him with the canine vehicle, and therefore they didn't end up searching his vehicle. And they they did this just – and the pot – uh, propaganda that they pushed out back then. If you never looked into it, it's wild. Oh, reefer madness. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It is wild. Like some of the things they said about it. I, it's yeah, just... It was going to make your white women lust after the. <laughs> it was crazy. Just totally crazy. Yeah. Definitely worth looking into. And you got to remember in this context, we, we hear that and we laugh and go, oh my God, these people are nuts. What were they thinking? This happened. Yes. This was actual propaganda used by yeah. the U.S. government yeah. to convince people that pot should be illegal. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, and like that type of behavior continues by the U.S. government. We look at uh, uh, the Twitter files, right? Uh, Matt Taibbi was, you know, he got to look into all that and write about it. And as a result of his simply reporting, right, him being given access, he is now being sort of persecuted uh, by the press to such an extent. Yeah, to such an extent that he actually has said something along the lines of uh, free speech is dying and journalists are the ones killing it. That was I was going to make a similar remark, not quite as eloquently. I was going to point out that it's crazy that someone who released information to the public, yeah. uh, critical, important information released to the public, is being crucified by the media, yeah. whose job it is to release that information <laughs> right, to yeah. the public. But they're too busy being in bed with the U.S. government to actually do their jobs. And that's been going on for a very long time. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too. But finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. I don't even know how to begin addressing the police problem in the United States. When I ran for sheriff, of course, I ran on the platform of F the police, and I yeah. firmly stand by that slogan. And at one point, my car was vandalized. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, went, and my signs were stolen throughout Cheshire County. But like the one thing I did not do was call the police. Even though I made it clear to them, I, I'm an advocate of turning the other cheek. Yeah. So you stole my signs, fine. I'm going to turn the other cheek and just put more signs out there. But I've only got two cheeks. You slap both of them and there are going to be repercussions. That was, that was the statement that I put out there. So if any more of my signs went stolen, then the guy who I had on video yeah. was going to get persecuted. Right, so he yeah. needed prosecuted. So he needed to be out there convincing people not to steal my signs. But the one thing I didn't do during all of that, someone, the cops came to me 
they emailed me incidentally at aria at fpolice.com. <laughs> that, that address no longer works, by the way. But they emailed me. as like, hey, look, so someone reported this truck that was stealing your signs. This isn't part of your campaign, is it? I said, no, it's not. Then they followed up, well, do you want us to press charges? And I was like, no, just close the case mm-hmm. and leave the person alone and leave me alone. Don't, yeah. don't bother me again. Thank yeah. you. Have a good day. Because yep. the police kill people. Yeah, even, uh, even, they've killed old ladies, pulling them over for having tail lights out. And then, of course, there was the guy who walked through the hallway, had to play Simon Says with the officers because some busybody thought they saw a cam a gun in his hotel room. And I don't even remember if he had a gun at this point, but he had to walk through the hallway while they were giving him various commands like cross your legs, put your hands on your head, put your hands on your hips, put your hands on your ankles, giving him literally mixed commands and then killing him. When he was crying and begging for them to stop and s- trying to obey their contradictory commands. Yeah, people need to, like, uh, and a, a lot of people, at least in the libertarian community, are pretty good at this. But, like, I think more of regular people need to figure out how to mind your business. Yes. If no one's being hurt, just look the other way. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, and part of or, the reason. And I would add, if it's a corporation being hurt. Just look the other way. If someone's stealing some laundry detergent from Walmart, just look the other way. Part I understand of, some libertarians will disagree on that. Yeah. Part part of the reason that I just even do this show is because I know that in order for myself to be free, everyone else must also be free. So for me yes. to achieve the maximum amount of freedom possible, I need to be a champion for other people also being free. Yes. So the way we left off on this story with the black codes was that all civil officials, law enforcement, everyone who worked in any capacity for the government had to report to the courts anyone who they thought of black or mixed race, not anyone of white race, right? If if they were white and they were starving, you didn't have to report them. But if they were black or mixed, you had to report them to the courts so that the courts could then order the minors to work as apprentices for individuals whom the courts deemed suitable and competent. So the courts would say, all right, well, here's a 10-year-old kid. His family can't feed him. All right. Uh, he's, we're, we're going to sentence him for existing and being black and poor in the South to forced labor. Working at working for this person who is literally now called his master yeah. because it's a master apprentice relationship. So tell me what the hell changed with the emancipation? They just had to jump through more hoops to yeah. perpetuate the slavery that continued to exist yeah. and continues to exist to this day. Worse, the, this provision guaranteed that former slave owners had preference to ensure that the children of their former slaves would continue to labor for the master. So if you could show that this person had been your slave. Generational servitude. Yes. And if you could show to the court that this person had been your slave, the court would order that person to become your apprentice. And this happened, people. This happened in the United States, in the state of Mississippi. And they probably weren't the only one. The, The article goes on. There's probably quite a bit more. But it happened in Mississippi perpetuation of slavery that was not ended with the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth, I'm with you. Celebrate it. It's great. I'm glad slavery ended in that capacity, but Mm -hmm. it's so far from ended, and we can't end actual slavery. We can't address the problem until we acknowledge that it continues to exist. Right, and then continue to acknowledge who the slave owner is. Yes, because it's no longer an average white person or it's no longer having anything to do with that so it, well it's an institution yes it's now it's the state Thomas jefferson anymore who owns slaves right so finally criminal provisions restricted the types of property that black people could own as well as the types of property that could be purchased by or sold to black americans again criminal penalties and jail time would often result in a freedman being hired out and what this means by hired out is again being forced labor because the 13th Amendment allowed them to be punished for uh, any act with forced labor. So here we have laws that were placed preventing black people from owning certain types of property. Mm -hmm. And if they acquired those types of property, that would be a crime. Topless Tuesdays, of course, was a thing on Free Talk Live for years. And then, you know, I do Tuesday nights, so I started doing a topless. And I was like, well, then we got air conditioning. What do you mean? That, well, was always, yeah, but, uh, that was always Eden's reason for gotcha. doing Topless Tuesday. Well, there is air conditioning in there now. But I mean, it's just, it's 
more comfortable, right? right? So we started doing that on Tuesdays, and then I wanted to know how far we could push this. Because I used to do a topless show called Aria Uncensored, and we got suspended from Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and all these other things for me doing that show, as we sort of expected to do. But for some reason, they, they backed off of that, and they're not suspending us on Tuesdays. And we started doing it on Wednesdays instead. Or on Wednesdays, we started doing She Talk Live. And then we started doing that show, Topless. Right. And it was tremendously successful, as, as you might imagine. Viewership skyrocketed, <laughs> knowing that you know Nikki and Angie and others were sitting there in, in, in my studio at that time being topless. Now that's how you advertise. It, it was tremendously successful. And that's happening here at RV46 tomorrow. So come hang out with us for that. There are a few people coming, I know, just to spectate that you know, women who support the idea, because I've already seen men running around topless all over the place today. Yeah, it's, it's common. Apparently, it's called Top Freedom. Is it? Yeah. I, I, it was, I, I ran across it while I was uh, you know, researching anarchism, as yeah. one does, uh, and uh, ran across Top Freedom. And I'm like, what's, what's Top? Oh, as in Topless. Right. Makes sense. There ought to be free the nipple. There ought to actually be right. equality between the sexes as far as what we expect clothing uh, wise. I agree entirely because I grew up as a male, obviously, and I spent most of my youth being topless because it's Mississippi, guys. Uh, everyone walking around Mississippi is topless because it's 140 degrees with a 96% humidity. And I just sort of am accustomed to that. Most women are never going to know how comfortable it actually is, how liberating, how relaxing it actually is to just be able to walk around topless. Yeah. And part of She Talk Live is aimed at normalizing that and getting people accustomed to it. And it's, it's been a lot of fun, well, and I'm looking forward to its return tomorrow here at – it's actually never been here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. There is a nude village, a nude camp somewhere around here. I don't know exactly where yeah, I haven't the, been to uh, it. the Body Freedom people. And, yes, that's and it, the, the Body the Freedom same, Village. The but, same thing where, like, if it becomes normalized, it becomes normalized. Like, when you've grown accustomed to nudity in a non-emergency and non-sexualized context – then it just becomes something that you overlook completely. Right. I mean, it's it's conditioning and training that causes us to sexualize nudity in the first place. But right. the body freedom people, they they stay, they keep their body freedom at the body freedom village. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that. We're doing it right here, right at Agora Valley, here on RV46. So I expect some amount of controversy, but we're only being topless. And there's, there's all sorts of good reasons why we should be allowed to sit here and be topless. And I don't really expect much pushback, but I do expect some. And that's happening more. So come hang out with us for that. But I'm sorry to do all of that and have that, you know, three and a half minute long preamble there to bring us back into the show because we do have a guest here. That's one of the things we like to do here on Free Talk Live at the Porcupine Freedom Festival is we get people on here to talk about their projects. They're doing what they're doing to make the world freer in their lifetime because that's the goal. We all want freedom in our lifetime. And one of the reasons Mark Edge isn't here is because he's out there gallivanting around the world trying to acquire freedom in his lifetime. And Tony Olson here is with the Freedom Haven Project. So tell me about this. Give me a brief overview exactly what, what is the Freedom Haven Project. Um, the Freedom Haven Project uh, will be bringing the free market to the world's 25 million refugees. We're creating an anarcho-capitalist floating port city outside the jurisdiction of all existing governments. Okay, so is That's it a, a seasteading project, essentially? It's seasteading, except that most seasteading projects are more about fancy homes on the beach or off just off the beach, as opposed to actually going out beyond the jurisdiction of government. Okay, so you're trying to like have a seastead, effectively, but yes. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean exactly. or the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. All right, so how, how is that going? I mean, what's it... Looking like, it seems like that that's a monumental task, right? That's it is. A, it's it a is. huge project to have a floating city, yes. basically. Yes. We, we plan, uh, if, if we're continuing on the same, same course we're on right now, we should have it built by 2037. Whose flag are, is your ship going to be flying? Because you are kind of trusting that government to, uh, you know, not suddenly change the deal on you. I right. have altered the deal. Yeah. Pray, Pray I do not alter, alter it, it further. further. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So, I mean, you're, that's kind of the relationship you have with uh, whoever's flag oh, yeah. you're flying. Yeah. That, that's actually one of the countries, the most common flag being used for flag inconvenience out there is the Panama flag. Mm -hmm. But we're actually uh, probably considering the, the second most convenient one, which is the Liberian flag. Mm. Liberia is a a terrible country to live in. It has a very low level of freedom, but they're constantly in civil war. 
It'll oh, cost okay. a fine amount of well, That's convenient. Yeah, and 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 so you never know who's going to charge whatever. And they've um, they've actually uh, uh, delegated their their flag registry to a to a company in Virginia that handles all of that. Mm-hmm. And that flag registry does nothing more than just say, okay, you want to be a member? Here's all the information. Okay, you're registered now, and and I pay them I pay them their fee, and uh, they they pay back um, like a quarter of it back to Liberia, keep the rest, and ten percent of it goes to some humanitarian fund there. But basically, mm-hmm. long story short, Liberia. Isn't even involved. They just get free money. Well, and Liberia, if I remember correctly, has basically been the United States sort of uh, pet project. So it's one of those like uh, people will probably respect so no wonder your it's space, <laughs> right? People will probably uh, respect your space so that they don't get on the bad side of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not that much government to actually oppress you because it keeps ending up in civil war. Exactly. So exactly. I don't want to drag this too far out into the weeds, but I'm curious, and you you seem like you may know the answer to this. What it, what is the process for these other nations recognizing another flag as legitimately belonging to a nation state. Like, there's a flag flying right here, yep. and the LGBT flag. And I would imagine that flying that flag wouldn't do me any good as far as affording me protection from the Thai- Thailand government. In the UK, there's the International Maritime Organization that actually oh, good keeps track lo- I, of... I should have known. They're, they're, of course, there's <laughs> a bureaucracy. Duh. Oh, right. It's a bureaucracy. Of course, <laughs> they have but an organization. Ahead. They have a list of all the flags that they recognize. Now, there might be other flags that other countries recognize, and there might be flags on that registry that other countries say, well, I don't recognize it. So there's, you know... But you start with that. You want you want to work with them and, and help them recognize your country officially, which means going through all the, the ugly channels of getting the UN to recognize you and, and, and working with other countries saying they recognize us. It's going to be a long process, so we'll be yeah. in the Liberian flag for a while until that happens. Well, I hope that works out. It sounds like it actually could. I was heartbroken to hear about the fail. I don't want to call it a failure, but what happened to the seasteading project that you Me mentioned? Too. You mentioned their names, and I don't remember what they were. But that was tragic, right? It was just these people trying to live freely, not hurting anyone. There's seasteader seasteading projects here every year. We usually get them on some of the hexagonal shaped ones that sort mm-hmm. of connect together. These these are fantastic. Uh, very dreamy sort of projects. And what I mean by that is it takes big dreams to get into something like this. Like Ernie Hancock down here, who, cl- who does the show Declare Your Independence, he, he's, he dreams of a spaceship that we, we can use to set ourselves free. And I'm actually 100% with them on that note. I don't think that human beings will achieve a libertarian society until we're colonizing other planets. The vending this year has, has been fantastic. And that's something that Forkfest uh, has always sort of lacked. And I also like, I mean, I like seeing all the, the younger uh, people here, the kids, uh, starting them early, enjoying enjoying New Hampshire. I was at uh, breakfast this morning, one of the vendors, and there were two gentlemen, and they had their two daughters, and it was just a great thing to see. I wish I had woke up in time to have breakfast because I've been wanting, like, a sausage and biscuit and some eggs. I really want some eggs, but... There's no there's no kitchen space in the motel rooms here at Rogers Campground. There's no suite where I can get access to a kitchen or whatever. I I suppose in theory I could grill some eggs, but in order that's a lot of work, right? When I would have to set up a campfire here and get the thing with which to do it and go buy the skillers and the eggs and all that. It would be better if I could just find someone cooking those things and buy theirs. And it was also awesome. I paid for breakfast with Goldbacks. Yes, that's that's the best part <laughs> by far of the Porcupine Freedom Festival is being able to live in and thrive in an economy that doesn't rely on the U.S. dollar. And right. You can use the U.S. dollar here, but you could survive the entire week just using Goldbacks or cryptocurrency or some combination thereof. For the most part, you could barter. And get by just fine. Even if you don't have gold and silver, if you have something someone else wants, they're more than willing to trade for it. I got a tarot reading yesterday. I think this is the first time we've had a, a I don't know if she's a psychic, but we've had tarot readings here that, I was, that I've ever seen. Right here in Agora Valley, and I paid two goldbacks for it. And she was willing to barter with whatever one happened to have. And that's something that you find a lot at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. There's a lot of set your own price, too, which can be a bit jarring for me when, like, a few nights ago, the Cordons were doing dinner, and it was a donation-only sort of thing. So, okay, but what do you want? What do you think is fair? Tell me that. 
but it it's amazing here. There's we accept gold back here stickers everywhere. I love seeing those. It's it's so hard to figure out how things are priced when they're printing the money at the rate that they are these days. So yeah, the, there's a bunch of people, including myself, trying to outsource the labor of figuring out okay, what is this worth now? Really yeah. good point. And. And there was a price on the sign where I had breakfast mm-hmm. in dollars, but I pay, they they said they take gold back, so they take crypto. And, and uh, that and is, did they also price it in gold backs on no, the sign? No, okay. um, I was the and, first person to ever do that. Not, nice. not this particular vendor, but I actually gave this person more in quote value in gold backs just to show my support and because I wanted to. Right. Nice. Uh, you know, it's not because I had to, but yeah. I, I wanted to just provide that support. Yeah, and that, and that's one of the things that we are going to see for a very long time to come. Even if uh, gold or cryptocurrency takes over, there's going to be a long period of time where things are still priced in dollars, even while that tanks. Mm-hmm. But uh, to see, here's what it looks like, everyone. Here's what a U.S. dollar uh, threat and and coercion currency can be free of. Well, I've definitely noticed a lot of uh, Massachusetts license plates this year, and I think, uh, really? uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are here uh, to see their their Kennedy. You know? Oh man, I mm. I hope not. I I look I, again. I don't think RFK should be banned, but I I wish he would just f off. And it's so really? hard. Yeah. Are you I, kidding me? Look, someone is is yeah. reminding the people on the left that they used to hate war and distrust the pharmaceutical yeah. companies. Okay. When I say f off, I mean from Porkfest uh, okay. and from libertarian circles. I do not mean in general. I don't care what he does with Democrats and liberals. Right. Yeah. I just I don't want. Already, libertarians, in an effort to, to chase after that clout that is mainstream recognition and, and the ego boost of feeling like we're significant and that we matter to the political parties, already they're willing to bend their knee and to give in to RFK's demands. Mm-hmm. When the exact opposite should be the well, case. RFK wants our vote. He wants, he wants my, our vote. If so my what, uncle's head exploded from something, I'd feel a little bit iffy about having those things around. That's that's a non sequitur, in my opinion. I mean, he's probably been around guns. He's got armed guards coming here with him, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to be not it's, around guns. He just wants it, to be able to control who has the and guns. And it's going to be a gun-free zone, I believe. At right? the pavilion. Well, no. No? His, no. His, guard, his guys will be able to have guns. Uh, what, other than his guys. Well, see, that's a critical yeah. distinction right. because it's not a gun-free zone. Okay. It's a gun-free zone for us ordinary people. His elite soldiers, his bodyguards get to have guns, and we're, we're at their mercy. And just extrapolate that to the wider society, and you have the same problem. Well, only the police should have guns. And he just exemplifies that exact mindset. And I don't think that the fact that his uncle got killed, or his uncles, I don't remember exactly how many of them have been killed, got killed gives him any sort of political credibility. And that's what I encounter a lot. It's like, well, you know, he's, he says there was, a, the conspir- there was a conspiracy and it is his family, but that doesn't mean he knows anything. Mm-hmm. That, that would be well, like and, and my like uncle most... coming forward and saying, I know something about the situation with Arya, but he doesn't. Yeah, and like most leftists, he's probably never held a gun. He's never fired one. He's never learned how they can be safe and uh, and accepted them into his life. And that's really sad and unfortunate. But I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you have a voice that's actually going, "Hey, half the country, this thing we just did, not okay, not okay." And right in regard now, to war, you mean? Yeah. Right, well, no, no, great. not not but, even the war. No, the the the, the lockdowns. Everyone on the yeah. left just wants to pretend that was cool and no, nothing to see here, nothing important. We didn't ruin our entire civilization for no good reason. And he's literally the only one on that side that's actually going, uh, guys, this was not okay. Which is all well and good. However, appearing here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival directly hurts his reputation with those exact people. And if... We're not going to reach those people. He's not, he doesn't have to convince us about the lockdowns being bad. That's true. But if he's speaking to Democrats, he should have clout with Democrats. And if they're looking at him going, no, man, you're in bed with those libertarians now. Get out of here. Then he ceases to be effective at that Look, as well. If we can add any fuel to his fire, then I'm all for it. If we can increase his visibility, 
great. And the fact that he's neurotic about guns is just going to give us an excuse to have a gun rally at Porkfest, which is absurd in any other context. But now there's actually a reason to have a gun rally where there are always guns. I think that ignores the fact that there's a there's a power dynamic here, right? He's a politician. He wants power. In theory, we have something that he wants, mm. and that is our votes, right? He wants to persuade. He wants our votes, and he wants us to get out there and campaign for him and all of that nonsense. However, why isn't he offering us anything? That being the case, why is he offering us nothing and instead demanding something of us? Demanding... Well. To be we, fair, he's offering us the lack of nuclear annihilation, which is more than we're getting from the other candidates. I wish I could say I had some hypothesis about what happened to JFK, but I don't. Oh, I, I, I can tell you exactly what happened to JFK. He promised to break the Central Intelligence Agency into a million pieces. He did so publicly. And they went, oh, really? You think you're in control. And they arranged for the Italian mafia to get the hitmen, and this was paid for by, uh, by oil money. Now, these were the three groups that had the most gain from his demise because he had uh, set himself against them. Well, that's certainly plausible. But we can never know for certain is the position, just like we can never know for certain what happened with 9-11, right? That's what I was trying to convey. Uh, certainly, I don't believe that I don't believe that the story the government told us is true because everything the government says is a lie, and everything it has, it has stolen. But I, beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I thought there, there is an unknowability to certain things, but we do know this: on that day, things were certainly no longer what they appeared to be. Because we thought we had this representative democracy, but it turns out when your representative steps out of line, it gets taken out. And it, it, it's just amazing. It really shows how powerful the propaganda machine controlled by the U.S. government really is. Like, and nine eleven re put that on display all over again. But like, there were people there, literally there, who testified to hearing multiple gunshots, including one coming from the grassy knoll. Like, and and watch his head. Watch the man's yeah. freaking head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. The thing is, they've done documentaries now with with modern day technology and science, with all the angles and everything. It, the one that I saw, basically, my interpretation was it, it was impossible for it to come from the book uh, repository. Absolutely right. Okay, impossible by fit, you know pure physics. Yeah, physically impossible. Well, so, Bill, Bill Hicks put it put it best. You know, watch his head back <laughs> to the left, back right, into the right. left. Well, right. and and so here's you, the you strange thing You would think that in that, that case, the bullet would come from. Over there, where the grassy knoll happened right, to be. Right. So here's the strange thing about that, though. It wasn't actually back. It was up. He was shot from below. And the reason right. his head exploded, instead of, like, you know, a bullet going through it, is well, because it was a shotgun that was shot from the sewer. Now, the yes. wild part about the uh, the footage is I've never it, heard this. Hold on. I have. I've, yeah. heard, I've heard this one. Yeah, it's it's in uh, 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 JFK to 9-11, I think, is mm-hmm. the, the, the... They've got almost so the, every single detail So the theory is that correct. someone was in the sewer? Yes, well, and they more, used a yes. shotgun, like from the yes. like from the one of the the drain mm-hmm. uh, the the drain openings. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. uh, the the thing about the Zapruder film that's important because every time you see it analyzed on uh, ABC or Fox or whatever, they always do the frame by frame analysis of exactly what it shows. And the thing is, the frame rate is the important part because if you if you saw the unaltered footage you'd see that car slow to a near stop i have heard mm-hmm. that it it slowed down a lot and that's why that because point. the shooting gallery that the driver had just gone through had failed to assassinate him there were so many people shooting at him and none of it worked so the driver went crap i've got to do my job which is to stop in front of this grate so that this kid and it was this like 17 year old of all things because an, an ordinary hitman's not going to go crawling through the sewer for this thing so he ends up being the one who uh fires the final shot that makes the president's head explode what what did you say this up documentary was left. called because i've never even heard uh, of this jfk to 9-11 jfk did 9-11 no two two 9-11 jfk to 9-11 okay well yeah. i mean i wouldn't be surprised if you know they they called it that for a point but we see the same sort of nonsense going on with uh 9-11 and mm-hmm. 
pancake theory, the fact that the U.S. government doesn't even mention Building 7 right. in the 9-11 Commission report or the FEMA report around 9-11. And th- their hypothesis, their going theory or their, their explanation is that two planes flew into three buildings and collapsed three buildings despite the fact that, you know, obviously, it's a meme at this point. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Well, mm-hmm. it, it still can't. And despite the fact that no high-rise steel building has ever collapsed due to fire before mm-hmm. and has never happened since. And what was really sad about the truth movement is that they ended up turning on each other because they had different theories for what really happened when the important fact is that we know we're being lied to. We know yes. we have ample evidence that what they say happened did not happen and that's the important part like this world changing event was staged in some way or another some people were in on this and that's the part that we should have been focusing on so we'd go well wait a second where did the money come from all the TSA has ever accomplished is, one, making sure I have to pay $9 for a bottle of water once I get past TSA security, and two, making sure I get felt up. It's a, it's a guaranteed, unwilling, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I don't know. They're going to feel- Gropage? Yes, thank you. Molestation? I'm go- yes, that's it. I'm going to get molested when I go through TSA, for sure. Every trans person will. It's and a it's public service to molest all of the trans people. They have a button there that says male or female. And if they hit male, then your bra sets it off. And if they hit female, then other things in other places set it off. And, the, and you're, Yeah, it's just a matter of which one of these things they're going to hit and where they're going to fill you up and, is and the only difference. Just, just, just spitballing here, but what if, what if we didn't have these radioactive methods of looking through people's clothing that you had to go through to get on a plane? And what the hell, what do they do? Like, again, I always get felt out. What, what is it that they do? When I get on the other side of it, because they they put on gloves and they fill around on me and and then they wipe it with some wand and then they scan the wand like what? I need to know what what did you just put on me or what did you take? What what just what the the hell just happened? happened? (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) Because it's it's like they were testing me for or scanning me for some kind of chemical. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how else to interpret what they were doing. That that was the explanation given to me was, oh, well, if there's a chemical on you, it'll get on the thing. And then when we test it with the machine, it will go, oh, you're a terrorist. But what? (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. None of this is useful. People get through every time that they test these things. And it sure does seem to get in the way of absolutely everything all the time for no purpose whatsoever, except it renews everyone's faith and fear so that we're all on the same narrative at the same time. That's the important part. And I I know people in the industry that have that are familiar with those those procedures and they've told me point blank that stuff gets through because they test it um i I won't give details but they test it and so well there's probably available reports you may think that you're safe but my opinion based on what i know and have heard you're not yeah well, there's definitely but, 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 publicly, but, 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 but people feel better, right? Right, right. Well, and and the thing is, what, they're not since they're not catching what they're supposed to be catching. Why are we paying these people? Oh, because they make us feel like those evil terrorists will be further from us. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what these people are doing. Yeah, Americans don't care about results. They don't care about success. They don't care about the no, goals. No. What they want to, what they care about is the pretense of feeling like they are doing something about that goal. Like if, if Americans really wanted to do something about poverty, they would abolish the welfare apparatus and eliminate the, the minimum wage, but they don't yeah. do that. Instead they go the opposite direction because they don't care if they actually increase poverty by raising the minimum wage. Not as long as they, they feel not... good and can convince themselves that they tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, no... don't worry, starving child. They tried. Yeah, government did something. There was an intervention. And in fact, not only do they not care if they're making the problem worse, they're directly incentivized to make sure that this problem never goes away. Now that we've monopolized poor people, we have to make sure that poor people still exist so we keep our phony baloney jobs. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, we have no need in society for a TSA. Mm -hmm. I've taken all sorts of transportations that didn't have to do with the government, and I've never been like, 
searched in that capacity. I've never been put through any sort of invasive body scan. I don't, I don't even do the body scans anymore because I know I'm going to get felt up. Right. So if I'm going to get felt up anyway, let's just skip that and go straight straight to the, the forced massage, right? Right. But instead of subjecting ourselves to that, we, we could just get on the planes that worked just fine for decades. Honestly, if it Wait. wasn't for the government intervention, the airline industry would have collapsed long ago because it's completely unsustainable. But it, it exists, and the TSA is there allegedly to protect people. But as you pointed out rightly, it's, it's just theater. It's, just a, it's, it's the masks. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just to make people feel better. They don't optics. care if it works or not. It's the impo- all optics. The imposing uniforms at the checkpoints, mm-hmm. the shiny badges, the stern looks. Oh, on the subject of checkpoints, they're having sobriety checkpoints here in Lancaster I throughout heard, this weekend. Yes. Oh you boy. had an encounter with the police. I did. I uh, I wanted to explore uh, the wil- more of the wilderness of northern New Hampshire, so I drove up earlier today, almost to the Canadian border. Nice. Went, went up to the what they call the Connecticut Lakes, which was headwaters, if you will, for the Connecticut River. And when I was driving back, I I was on. Um, Route 3, which is a main thoroughfare north-south, and I stopped in the middle of nowhere at a rest stop. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a state trooper comes out, pulls mm. in the rest area, kind of slows down, looks me over. I, I pull out. He, <clears throat> he follows me for about 25 miles and had plenty of oper- – I, I followed, of course, the speed limit at that point. I didn't want to give any reason to have him pull me over, and plenty of opportunity for him to pass me. Right, but, but I was. Uh, I well, was they, they always give you that vibe, right? When they're doing oh, yeah. this, like you knew at this point that he was going to pull you over, right? Right. If I did like the the least thing wrong, he right? was waiting. He, he was, was waiting. he was a predator stalking he his was a prey. Predator. Yeah, that's exactly and, right. And I I was stone cold sober, um, so the only thing he could get on me was speeding, which I didn't do. Right. Then I pull into a gas station as I pull into a town. He goes on his way. Uh, I get out. Two minutes later. Circles back around, kind of slows down, mm-hmm. and then goes on his way. So I was being stalked. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.